the fellas sang this morning as a gift to the women to have the morning off, and my goodness, what a gift it was. Thank you, thank you, absolutely, absolutely. Our scripture lesson is found in Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 44 and to the close. You'll recognize this as the end of Luke's gospel, but Luke and Acts were written as one book, Luke finishing the ministry of Jesus and then the beginning of the ministry and life of the church. So it's important that we catch this connection. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Let's pray. Bless, O oh Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O oh Lord, our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. The BBC carries a quiz show called QI, which means quite interesting tidbits of information from obscure questions, and it rewards those who know the answers or those who come up with interesting responses. It was created by John Lloyd and in conjunction with two researchers, John Mitchison and Jack, or James uh, Harkin, who had composed these factoids in a little book called 1,227 Quite Interesting Facts to Blow Your Socks Off. It's full of interesting little uh, sections in, in history. One of them is that Beyonce's eighth cousin, four times removed, is Gustav Mahler, the Austrian composer from 1860. In other words, it runs in the family. Then there are sobering facts, 
like the one that says in 1620 when the Mayflower landed, only half of its participants made it through the spring of 1621. It says, I love this one, that cows moo in regional accents. <laughs> I'm going to test that one someday. <laughs> that there are two-thirds of people in this world who have never seen snow. And shockingly, George Bush and Saddam Hussein used the same Italian cobbler to make their shoes. <laughs> Ironically, the most shoplifted book in the United States is what? The Bible. Oy vey. <laughs> the book is named after Asteroid number 1,227, which is called geranium. That's because they said the ozone smells faintly of geraniums. Who tested that? <laughs> Stick your nose out there. Or the galaxy tastes like raspberries. Did somebody lick it? Work, they say, is three times more dangerous than war. In other words, the jobs that we do cause three times more injuries than war. And last but not least, it says that one issue of the New York Times has more information in it than any 17th century person would learn in their lifetime. They go on to suggest that this little book should be taught in school because it reduces information to its most interesting facts and therefore it sticks better and if it sticks better, then it sends our minds chasing down important realities. What is true in life and what is meaningful and what is changing of us? Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia today that you might have missed that by golly should be changing us. You know it's Mother's Day. But did you know that it is Ascension Sunday? Bet that isn't in your top five holidays. But we find on Ascension Sunday all of those great portraits in, in uh, literature and art show us Jesus floating above the people. That's about the Ascension. This one in particular I find fascinating because you only get his feet. He's leaving. It's the last moment in which anybody sees Jesus. And there is actually a stained glass window from the 15th century that shows not only that picture, but that in stone, the footprints he left as the last mark of his presence on the earth. Those footprints exist 
One of them is at the Mount of Olives in the Chapel of the Ascension. And one of them has been moved to another sacred site. But they say, that's where Jesus' feet were. How cool is that? Ascension Sunday, my friends, is about that wonderful day, that last day that anybody gets a glimpse of Jesus in this world. And it goes with saying, and he was still blessing them. Do you catch that? That gift of God's presence and love still going on as he's leaving. The reminder that no matter what happens in life or in death or life beyond death, Jesus is ours and with us. Luke is the only gospel that carries the two appearances of Jesus after his resurrection, the one of his walk to Emmaus and the other when they recognize him in the evening as they are breaking bread together. At both of these occasions, Jesus is with them once again, encouraging them, chiding them to pay attention and to understand and also assuring them that God has been working in the events of their lives to fulfill the purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Got a dick pull. <coughs> I hate that. Just when you get on a roll. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> what we know is that the disciples are having a difficult time comprehending the power and presence of God in their lives in this transition. He wants them to know that he is not only still blessing them as he rises into heaven, but that the miracles and the exchange of God's presence and love and blessing are still going on. In fact, as he disappears, two more miracles happen. As he leaves their sight, the final climactic miracle of rising into heaven, it says something extremely important. He opened their minds. Now that's a miracle. For us to comprehend, <coughs> excuse me, this is the wonderful allergy season. He opens their minds so that they begin to understand scripture. They put it together. All of their confusion and not recognizing Jesus is beginning to make sense to them because now with Jesus gone, they are the ones to carry the gospel forward. It's because of the miracle on Ascension Sunday that we have Matthew and Mark and Luke and John 
writing down their gospels in a way that it translates to you and I, you and me, that we, we can understand the scriptures and that we are, know that they're for us. This miracle is so that we can believe. For six weeks now, we've talked about belonging. <coughs> we've talked about this miracle. <coughs> Excuse me so that we can believe, so that you and I can see Jesus as both face and heart, so that our minds can be opened. Now, I want you to think about it this way. um, This new book that's become one of my new favorites, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, The Scandalous Truth of the Very Good News. I was reading more of it this week. And Brian Zand said something that rocked my world. He basically said that if our understanding of God had been perfect in the Old Testament, in the Pentateuch, then why did it continue to unfold with the prophets? And then why did we then need the Gospels and then Paul's letters? Clearly something happens between the time of the Old Testament when God endorses genocide of all the people in Cana to get their land and Jesus' sermon on the mount when he says, love your enemies, something has changed. What has changed, he says, is not God but the degree to which humanity has attained an understanding of the true nature of God. Now, please do not throw tomatoes. He said this, not me. He goes on to say, the Bible is not the perfect revelation of God. Jesus is. Doesn't that blow your mind? For the first time in my life, it made sense to me what has been said in the scripture when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The Passion Translation says it this way, I am the way, I am truth, and I am life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me because to know me is to know my Father too. It's not an exclusionary statement of other people of other faiths, but an invitation to understand God in the most lovely way by watching Jesus. This other miracle, this understanding of Scripture isn't a one-time thing. It's to be repeated in our lives countless times as we're being guided to understand the Word of God and how it opens our minds. If we want to see God, then we got to look at Jesus because He's the package that can help us understand. Socrates put it another way. True wisdom comes to each of us when we realize how little we understand about life, ourselves, and the world around us. Wisdom 
begins with wonder. What a gift to be, have our minds open, knowing that God is still trying to bless us. But then he says, wait a minute, hold the phone. Before you go any further, you got to wait for the power. In order to recruit the people for the cause and the program or the crusade, we need to wait for the guidance of the Spirit. For the church to be the church, to carry on its mission, if we do it on our own power and authority, we've missed where God might be moving us. There's a very clear realization from the beginning of Luke's gospel that we simply cannot do what God's called us to do on any level without understanding Jesus and having God's help. That power is waiting and being generated by God's efforts, and it's a gift from God in God's own time and in God's own way. We got to wait for it. And they must wait without Jesus present, solely dependent on his word that he will come again with power in the form of the Spirit to make it happen. We have forgotten how to wait. We've forgotten that the Spirit still enables us, and in our zeal, we set out trying to make the church without the Spirit, carrying a witness, but not remembering that Christ carries us. Now, there are a number of you young folk here today who will not remember when Sunday was Sunday. You hear what I'm saying? There was a time when you could not buy milk on Sunday, let alone alcohol. You couldn't buy gas. And if you lived in my household, if you didn't go to Sunday school, you didn't go to youth group. There were expectations about church and there were expectations about the Sabbath. Taking that therapeutic time to rest in God's favor. There was a time when we couldn't imagine that Sunday would be like any other day. And yet it is. We either work ourselves to death during the week and hope for a happy nap on Sunday afternoon just to make it through the next one, or we use it to catch up. But we don't wait. Sabbath isn't just resting from our works, my friends. It is taking on time for God's eyes and God's ears to lend us understanding. You can't get a gift if it's trying to chase you. May God open our minds, because until it's open, we can't begin to imagine the gift that God would want us to be. Harold Kushner, in his book, What Good is Prayer, says, prayer is not going to God with our shopping list. Leave that to Santa. 
Prayer for me is talking in the presence of God, not so much talking to God or with God, but talking in the presence of God. That's Sabbath. Because when you understand that you're talking in God's presence, you just become different. When we talk in God's presence and open ourselves to growth, our minds will blow open and our spirits renewed. We become people who trust God more fully and love our neighbors more intensely and we can leave the bootstraps to someone else. When we pray as God wants us to, we become creatures who are finally open to the channels of divine love and purpose and able to see God's work in our lives. But you got to wait for it. Ascension Sunday happens 40 days after Easter, 40 days of Lent, 40 days to Ascension, 10 more days and the Pentecost is going to happen. So why care about it? Why care about any of this? Why believe that Jesus is still trying to bless you and me? Why believe that Jesus could still be trying to open our minds and invite us into the prayer and power of God so that we can be informed in our living and in our loving? Why believe? Because it could just be you that God has been needing in a way that you could never have dreamed or imagined. The Lord's going to need some time to open us up. God's going to need us to fill us with power. Can you believe for a moment that you were placed on this earth to make a difference for and in or with anyone? Back in 1951, a 14-year-old named James Harrison had to have a lung removed. That would have been some scary surgery in 51. It required 13 pints of blood to save his life. When he was well, he declared that he was going to give blood and pay back that which had saved his life. And so at 18, he started giving. This was during the time in Australia where he lived in which so many babies were dying, being born stillborn or with brain defects or great problems and dying after birth. What we now know is the RH factor. A mother who is RH negative giving birth to an RH positive child it was wreaking havoc on babies for a long time and they didn't know how. And then they found James Harrison. And they made this injection out of his blood and it began to save babies. He's given blood every two weeks and he is now 81. Doctors finally told him he needed to stop for his own health. 
17% they estimate of the Australian population struggles with this issue and if you do the math, they estimate that his blood has saved 2.4 million babies. He says his only talent is given blood. Could it have been through those transfusions that he got the antibodies that he needed? Who knows? We only know that his life has been a blessing to people who will never know his name and his name is on their hearts and their lives. Do you believe that the Lord is still trying to bless you? Do you believe that you belong? Did you always have? God's never been mad at you, ain't gonna be mad at you. God loves you. Do you believe that you were made for a purpose in this world to make a difference? May the power of the Holy Spirit fall upon you soak into you, come out your pores, and bless everyone you encounter because the grace of God, even in his absence, is still blessing you. Just wait on it and believe. Amen. Would you rise if you're able and join in our closing hymn?